Hello and welcome to Crofting Matters. My name is Siobhan MacDonald and this is the Farm Advisory Service series where we discuss topics that matter in crofting. In this episode, we come from Dorney Hall, where the Crofting Commission and the Farm Advisory Service are discussing the financial regulations for common grazings. We're joined by Finlay Beaton from the Crofting Commission and Arthur MacDonald to find out how and what is needed to keep finances in order. Hello, how are you both? Fine, thanks. Yes, very well, thank you. Very good. Finlay, could you start by explaining what's your role at the Commission? Yeah, so I'm the, I'm the grazing manager for the common grazings in the Crofting Commission. I've been there eight years and before that I was 20 years with ARPAD or the Department of Agriculture. I think common grazings is quite a complicated subject and I think it's uh, one of these things I don't think there's any stupid questions that, uh, that arise. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And Arthur, what's your background? Well, I started off an involvement with crofting through the Agricultural Training Board and progressed into crofting in greater depth through working with the Crofting Community Development Scheme, which was run through the Crofting Commission. I did that for about 14 years. I remarkably became a crofter myself, ultimately, and from there I became chairman of a grazing committee. I also uh, ended up through the NFU as the chairman of their crofting and highlands and islands committee. I'm still there doing that. I then was invited to join an estate trust, which has about half its land in crofting and about 110 crofts. So from there, I gained quite a lot of experience in in crofting. And like Finlay, I worked for the Crofting Commission for a while in several different roles. I was in charge of the duties team for a while, which was the, the ones that dealt with crofters were either not resident or not able to utilize their crofts. And I also worked with the development team, which was reinstated fairly recently within the Commission, to try and put into action elements of the National Development Plan for Crofting. And our workshops that I developed some years ago with Finlay and the auspices, under the auspices of the FAS and the Crofting Commission, and initially the Crofting Federation. So we've tried to get pull an awful lot of threads together into this sort of workshop which we hope will unravel some of the, the myths and mysteries of management of common grazings and even the wider understanding of crofting rights and responsibilities. Mm-hmm. People are quite familiar with the notion that crofters have duties in terms of residence and, and activity, but there's less awareness of the liabilities that fall into your lap when you take on a croft which has a, a common grazing share. And that's a particular area of interest and a particular area of information which we provide through this workshop. And tonight our workshop is in Doherty Hall. Where abouts across the country have you been delivering these workshops? I think we've been in every Crofting County now. Uh, We've been up to Shetland, uh, we've been out to the Western Isles, down to Barra, and we held uh, several up in, in Lewis and Stornoway. Uh, we've been in Argyll, I think we've done two in Argyll and up the east coast as well but I think there's still quite a few places we've still to, to get to 
and uh, this this is the introductory workshop uh, to kind of go over the, the basics and we're now looking at maybe doing a more advanced workshop for the future um, but that's a work in progress for, for later on for the future. If I may add a wee bit to that, one of the things we have noticed with doing these workshops is that we, we get a, an interest expressed in an area, we go and do a workshop and within a few weeks more requests have arrived. So the workshops themselves are spreading the interest in improvements to common grazing management. And we've been invited back. Most of these things Finley was talking about, we've started with one and then had to go back either the following year or, or a few months later to deliver another one or two workshops. Mm -hmm. They're quite small, aren't they? You don't have many people on. Yeah, I think the, the interactive format we, we uh, use, it's probably best catered to a sort of number of maybe 18 maximum. We, we have done up to 24, 26 people gathered around a table, but that's probably a bit too big, uh, whereas we sort of cater for 18 max. Um, so our average figures are usually between the 12 and 18 uh, people, but uh, one, one or two of the venues we've been overbooked, which has meant that you know we've endeavoured to go back to, to cater for the demand. Um, so and we'll continue to do that. And what format do your meetings take? What do you do? We don't really want to be sitting there uh, lecturing people because that'd be quite a dry evening for everybody. So it's it's an interactive format where we use a, a made-up common grazing. Um, we don't want to be discussing individuals' personal problems on their own common grazings because that could be a very long night and everybody will have different problems. So we use a, a fictional common grazing. It started off, it was called Strathy Common Grazing. Uh, but then we discovered there's actually a grazing called Strathy, so we changed it to Strath Common Grazing. Fortunately, the bit of kit that we used when we went, sent it off to the printers, it came back with a, a spelling misprint, so it's now called the Stath Common Grazings. So hopefully it will remain as the Stath Common Grazings, uh, otherwise we're going to have to change all our paperwork. We have a number of crofts on it with a number of shares, and we go through different scenarios uh, that might arise in a common grazing and try and provide a bit of uh, options. Uh, we're not really here to sort of tell people the do's and don'ts. It's maybe providing more good practice, the legislation that relates to common grazings and, and options for them to consider and how best to manage their common grazings. I think the interactive nature of the workshops is very good for getting people to start talking and discussing and it brings out uh, you know a lot of the problems or, or the situations that they're coming across a lot of the gaps in the knowledge usually get a lot of people uh, sort of asking a lot of questions uh, on, on things that maybe we've not actually considered ourselves it's a good interactive workshop that we're doing uh, which which gets people talking which i think is quite important oh, that's good i see you have plastic sheep and cows and trees as well <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think we we're, we're probably quite enjoy it. It's like being wee kids again with <laughs> with farm sets almost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's important to try and ensure that it's dealt with in, a, in a, an entertaining almost manner because people come to a lot of these types of meetings with a bit of fear, perhaps mm -hmm. in their you know we're trying to do a bit of myth busting and do it in a bit of a an entertaining manner. And I, I think we achieve that. We, we certainly have a few laughs at all these meetings. Some of it is the stories that the people tell us, and some of it is just the stories that we tell them or the, 
comments that we are able to make to help them with the situations they've, they've experienced themselves and we apply them into our fictitious grazings and deal with them through that. And are there common issues? Do you find the same things brought up at each meeting or is every area different? There are common themes. We kind of, we start off with the sort of the formation of a, a grazing committee and try and give folk a wee bit of the legislation and, and sort of some helpful tips for forming a grazing committee. And on the night we'll actually, we will actually form a grazing committee to manage staff common grazings. So it, it's, it's trying to provide guidance to make sure people do things properly and they stay out of trouble. So we form a grazing committee then we'll get on to the different elements of you know what a grazing committee does, uh, office bearers, you know whether they or not they need treasurers, secretaries, grazing clerks. They need a grazing clerk. That's in legislation. Chairman. So it, that that's the sort of elements we go in, and then we go into the sort of finance side of things, where we'll consider different scenarios when money comes into the into the grazing fund pot and how to do, how to manage that income and also how the money's spent and how it's, it's monitored and, and accounted for. The format, yeah, we'll get lots of, you know, queries which kind of evolve as the night goes on. You know, it's, um, there's a lot of terms which are used in crofting and, and quite often there'll be people around the table who some of the terms are a bit of a mystery to them so even having a wee bit of a, a, an explanation of the, some of the terms they're going to come across such as you know a, a grazing committee being co-rate and mm. um, so and Arthur's got a very good example of, of a grazing committee which uh, they struggle to be co-rate given the numbers that they've got and whether or not they can attend the grazing committee so I think we, we've both got quite a bit of experience where we see things going wrong or difficulties being created. So we can provide that to almost use as a wee bit of a, a signposting of avoiding situations which will get them into bother. The people that are coming along, are they all in already formed common grazing committees or do you get folk who have come from roths where there's no committee in place? I think it's a wide, wide um, audience we've had. Um, yeah. we've, there's aspiring crofters, there's yeah. uh, new crofters. We've not, there's actually a, a completely new grazings was, uh, in okay. attendance at a meeting recently and they hadn't got round to setting up their committee yet. Uh, we've got also people who've come along who have been clerks for decades mm. and uh, that's where some of the myth-busting comes in as quite a surprise. I think one of the things that comes up at almost all our meetings is when we look into the finances is the status that a grazing committee actually has mm -hmm. in comparison to what people are familiar with in clubs and associations where there's continuity. The notion that the grazing committee goes out of office every three years, although people are familiar with that happening, they don't really realise what the, that means in terms of its fiscal status committee itself, because of its short life, can't really own anything. So even though you know a particular facility is put in place through the auspices of the committee, a grant is paid by ARPID to that committee at a very generous rate, I may say, they, as a committee, don't own that. The shareholders and the grazings are the holders of the asset. 
in proportion to their rights in the grazings. And those aspects are universally at the workshops a bit of a surprise to, to the, those who've been in committees for a long time and those who are new to it. I think the other thing that, that they find quite surprising is that that the outset when you're appointing committees and you're renewing them every three years, that that meeting is public. We have public notification of a public meeting. That has to be actually made clear when you're advertising your committee appointment. And Finlay's team and the Crofting Commission are always uh, reminding people of that and checking on it when they get notifications of new committees. These, these are kind of things that come up. So by public, you mean anybody can attend? Yeah, anybody can attend. Uh, but I think one of the important things we try and get across at the workshops is whilst members of the public can attend, they're only there as observers. Uh, it's only the shareholders who have a, a right to appoint people onto the grazing committee. So that's one of the things we try and explain. There's also another option in that uh, non-shareholders can become grazing committee members. If the shareholders wish that to be an option, that's quite a useful option. You might have people in townships who have particular skills, you know, somebody might be very good with spreadsheets or, or somebody might be very good, you know, with a lot of experience of chairing meetings, you know, and if, if people are willing to serve, if they, if, they, if they agree to serving on a grazing committee and the shareholders desire it, then that's a, an option which uh, the shareholders can take advantage of. Uh, and we see that, especially now, some of the common grazings we see, you know, there's, there's a lot of development, a lot of money uh, sort of uh, coming in and going out. Some, some common grazing committees now are actually using professional grazing clerks because it's becoming such a, a sort of complicated uh, sort of uh, grazings to, to manage and keep on, on the level. For anybody who's not familiar really with common grazings, Maybe I should go back a step and ask, what is a common grazing? Well, common grazings exist through the crofting system because it was necessary to have outrun. And the seasonality of grazing management here means that you often needed to use the in-by croft land for cropping. And the easiest thing to do was to exclude all the livestock from all the in-by land in the township. Mm -hmm. So the old system would normally have no intercroft fencing. There would be a, a single boundary, usually a wall in most areas, that would be built to enable the crofters to put the, cro put the cattle or sheep out onto the hills effectively. And that's where the common grazing is. It was a management tool. Subsequently, those, that arrangement has been recorded by the Crofting Commission so that those crofts that have interests in grazings have them all set and each croft or crofter will have assuming which is a, an allowed number of livestock that they can put onto the common and the grazing committee is necessary to control the dates that that happens every year uh, and monitors it once it's in, in place. So it's, it probably started off as a, a fairly simple system but it's now become much more significant because on top of the utilising for livestock grazing, there are several other options that crofters can collectively or individually look at for using the grazing area. I mean, as a, a simplest one to, 
think of is the woodland which came in in 1993. So <clears throat> a number of crofters coming grazings actually went into woodland schemes from then on onwards. That uh, has in some cases brought in an income. The other thing is that they have the option to apportion areas of common grazing and utilise either for individual crofts or groups of crofters. That's another option. And all these things take a bit of organising, take a bit of discussion, take a bit of agreement. And to facilitate all that, the committees are very significant. So the grazings is really just a defined area. About half of the crofting common grazing areas have now been mapped under the new crofting register, which is held by the registers of Scotland. And we hope that we'll see more of that happening in future because it's undoubtedly helpful to have an actual defined boundary mm -hmm. for your common grazing, especially going forward with the various interests that there are from uh, developers now. We're more familiar with wind farms to date and hydro schemes, but there's an, an increasing amount of interest in carbon aspects of common grazings and how carbon sequestration can be affected on common grazing. And that obviously could impinge on the crofters' use of the land over which they hold the rights. We've, we've roughly got just over a thousand common grazings at the moment uh, recorded on the Register of Crofts. Maybe about 800, uh, 850 of those are what we call regulated. So they actually have a, a set of regulations, which is a rule book. Um, and it's also records who the shareholders are. Uh, which is quite an important thing to, to know who all, all, all the interested parties in the common grazing. But we've also got about 150 or so which are unregulated and these are the ones I think are quite important. We need to, to uh, you know, I think it's a, a desire of the Crofting Commission to get these common grazings regulated so that they've got a rule book to use to manage the common grazings and also get the shareholders, the landlord, uh, you know, sort of recorded so we know who, who you know if there's development happening on these areas of ground that uh, you know that the, the developers know who the right people are to contact to take forward some of these developments especially now in, in the current um, sort of uh, situations we've got with there's a lot of discussion about uh, carbon credits uh, renewables, agri-environment you know trying to improve biodiversity, forestry, woodland that sort of thing so Having these things sort of recorded and set down in a register is quite an important thing to kind of uh, oversee the whole thing. If you're not in a regulated common grazing, so you don't have a committee, mm -hmm. you wouldn't be able to apply for some of these schemes? No, uh, I think certainly a lot of the schemes that are run by sort of the Scottish Government, uh, you know, a common grazing is a, is a recognised eligible applicant uh, sort of agri environment, you need to be recorded. Quite often when um, grazing committees will put in an application for something, the Scottish Government officials will check with the Crofting Commission's Register of Crofts to make sure the grazing committee is in office. And if they're not in office, then they usually have to go back to them and say, you're not eligible. In which case, come and have a chat with us and we'll make sure you get a grazing committee in office or assist you in the process to get you into office as quickly as possible and that you're recognised as, as an eligible applicant. And how difficult is it to set up a common grazing committee? There's a few steps to go through. 
as Arthur was saying earlier, it needs to be a public notification in a paper that's circulating in the local area. We've got a template that you can use so you get the wording right. And I think, as we mentioned earlier, it's very important to state in the advert that the reason for the meeting is the appointment of a new committee. The venue, the date, the time, the place, that has to be uh, indicated in the advert to make sure all the shareholders have an opportunity to attend. And that's one of the things we go through in the workshop is we go through the sort of process, you know, the, the different options for, for appointing committee members. You can either nominate people, you can hold an election, it can be volunteering, it can be just people who are a bit too slow to duck when uh, <laughs> you're going around the room asking for volunteers to go on to the grazing committee. Um, there's, there's nothing set down in legislation to kind of... Um, uh, sort of dictate to the shareholders how to do it. So it's really for the folk who are gathering in a in a village hall or 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 somebody's kitchen to uh, decide themselves what's the best option for themselves. So that's the sort of thing we're discussing at the workshop. We can give them as much legislation as, as is there, but there are gaps in the legislation. So it's kind of just giving them maybe good practice op- options. We do have a, a document on our website uh, which kind of sets out the steps that um, shareholders can kind of follow, you know, how to deal with proxy votes uh, for shareholders who can't attend, the, the order that you want to appoint a committee, you know, decide how many members you want to serve in the committee. That's quite an important thing, you know, you might want to consider uh, having an odd number of committee members. How many people do you want to serve in the committee? You might want to have everybody, but then that can cause a lot of discussion and maybe not an awful lot of moving forward. You might want to have a small number of people and that's for shareholders to decide on the night you know deciding the number of people to serve on the committee then who who will fill those um, positions once that's been decided appointing a grazing clerk and once that's done you send a notification to the crofting commission and we'll record you on the register of crofts and you mentioned there about regulations as well do all common grazings have a set of regulations and do these change over time? What happens with regulations? Yeah, we've got roughly about 850 or so are regulated, but I think one of the big problems is a lot of the regulations are maybe been done in the you know 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and things have moved on. Um, you know, it used to be very traditional sheep grazing, cattle grazing, cutting peas. But now we're seeing so many different new options that are available in common grazings. You know, agri-environment schemes, renewables, we're talking about carbon. So all these things are coming in. And so it's important to have your regulations up to date. Um, so that's something, you know, we've got a template, a set of regulations. Uh, there's a number of um, crofters and commission officials sat down and they really stripped out all the old legislation that's been superseded. Uh, to create a, a new template with all the, the current legislation. Um, so that's available on our website. And if Grace Committee wants to update their regulations, come and have a chat with us. We, we can supply you with a copy of your old regulations and copy of the template and guide you through the process. We want to make sure that there's nothing that's going to cause a grazing committee or shareholders any problems in the future. And we want to make sure that there's nothing included which is maybe going to be contrary to any other different legislation that's in place. So that's the sort of process we'll, we'll check to make sure it's a, a good working document. We, we like to call it a, a living document as well. Um, you know, you might get a new set of regulations 
uh, approved by the commission and then six months later you might oh we need a rule on on such and such and there's nothing to stop you coming back in at that point saying no we need an amendment to our regulations so you know although you get your new set of regulations confirmed you know it can change over time and certainly the old the older your regulations are the more i would suggest you take a good look at them and see are they still workable relevant uh, you know are they serving the purpose of helping the shareholders of the grazing committee to manage their common grazing i'm sure there'll be things in there like you have to deliver notices by post when in fact most people now would use an email mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. During your game that you play, your common grazings game, <laughs> what are the bits that people get stuck on? What do you find people are surprised by? I think that one of the things that people find most surprising is the fact that the Crofting Commission don't have an actual oversight responsibility on grazing finance. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them assume that they can actually simply report issues or problems to the Commission and get it resolved. And that is not a remit of the of the Commission. In fact, there's nobody, no organisation really has any oversight of grazing finance. They don't have to submit returns to the Inland Revenue or to the Commission or in fact to anybody. Uh, there's no real requirement for them to produce a set of annual accounts. They really have to do those things to meet the requirements of their own shareholders. Most of the regulations include an AGM and an associated set of accounts and even a reference to having them audited if necessary. And these are all elements that have been included in the regulations on the recommendations historically of the Land Court, which relate to issues that have arisen in the past, which would probably have been avoided had proper records and proper communications been in place within the, the grazings that had taken the, or taken themselves or take, been taken to the land court. To a large extent, our workshops are about good practice rather than appearing there to tell them all the do's and don'ts and that sort of thing. But we're actually, we actually find things from, find out things at the workshops from various individuals who come along, which are quite useful for us to spread to other workshops because there are ways that some grazings function already, which are actually quite useful. The use of email communication is something that is definitely worth thinking about. The element around the committee's potential to use its status as a committee to, to deal with Crofts, which are underused, for instance, is something that a lot of them haven't really done and the ways that they can actually do that or potentially influence that sort of situation is something that they've generally found interesting. The impact of vacant crofts is something which yeah. comes up. Yeah. If you, have, if, you, if, you're, if you have a landlord that's not letting crofts that have fallen vacant, it's not always, people aren't always clear on how that, Inter, how that interacts with the management of the finances of the grazings overall. I think that's probably the, the main, the, the notion that people have liabilities and they, you know, in certain circumstances, depending on what actions the committee is actually taking, they have quite a bit of power to insist that people 
pay money if they wish. Obviously, there are circumstances where they may not wish to exercise that power. And that's, that's another aspect of what we consider at the workshops. And uh, that's usually of interest. I think that's right. I think people tend to know their rights. How many how many sheep and cows they can put on the on the common grazing and being able to take apportionments. But uh, certainly, it seems that people take on crops. They don't, or they're not fully informed of the liabilities that come with it. You know the fact that if there's you know maintenance required, they're going to have to put money towards that those maintenance projects. Uh, similarly, if there's an improvement happening, they're potentially going to have to pay money towards that. Uh, and that's one of the things too, whilst we don't take, we don't have really any direct involvement if there's um, issues with regards to the finance, if the regulations, you know, the rules are set down, if they are found to be broken or breached, that's when the Crofton Commission can come in and take action. Uh, we would like to, you know, it's not a, a right, you breached the regulations, that's it. We usually try and uh, resolve the issues before they, they go down the full route. Um, but, you know, if you were to follow the, a breach of regulation straight through, you could see somebody's share being either suspended or, in the worst case scenario, terminated. I'd hate to get to that stage. We've never had to get to that stage yet. But uh, it's certainly there and it's certainly something shareholders should really read the regulations and adhere to them. That, that's one of the important things. I think you're right, the vacant crofts certainly seems to be an issue and people don't seem to realise the impact that has on, on you know, the finances coming in, where do they go, there's, there's perceptions that you know, it's a vacant croft, it's, it's just disappeared, um, but the vacant crofts there, you know, that's a, an avenue for a, a new entrant to get into crofting and there's such a big demand for crofts and you know, um, crofting opportunities, that's an option that possibly grazing committees could help to resolve. Um, by letting folk know oh, there's a vacant croft, uh, go and have a chat with the landlord to see if we can get out of that uh, vacant croft let. I think deemed crofts is another thing that comes up, and that's quite a complicated process, uh, which um, I think people kind of struggle to get their heads around. Uh, that's that's in a, a case where the the, the croft um, is purchased by the, the tenant and they become an owner-occupier crofter but they don't purchase the share in the common grazing. That then becomes a sort of separate unit that's known as a deemed croft. Basically, a lot of people think it's all one unit, but it's actually created two units. That's why you might get two census returns. That's, uh, we quite often get queries on that. Why am I getting two census returns? And we've got to explain that they now have two crofts. I, th I think the other thing that comes out in these workshops is there seems to be a bit of a misconception in that the grazing fund is the, is the grazing committees and we're trying to get across the, the, the idea that it's actually the shareholders' money and not the grazing committee. So they have to be a bit careful. They can't just spend it, you know. It's money that's been gathered for a grazing fund and we quite often we use the analogy of if you go for a night out and there's usually one person who's left holding a, a kitty and that's for buying drinks. Um, but if the kitty holder decides to go and buy fish and chips for himself and doesn't tell anybody, he ends up in a bit of bother. So that's quite a good analogy that we use. You know, that the grazing fund is a bit like a kitty and it's designed for a set purpose, you know, using for, for as a grazing fund for the, the maintenance, the running costs of the common grazing. So it might be fine to, to spend the money on, on other things, but you've got to communicate with your shareholders that you're going to do that and, and get their agreement.
That is a very significant aspect. I think it's that folk who have a croft often don't realise that they have to contribute towards mm -hmm. the running of the common grazing. That's really common. Mm -hmm. And lots of people are surprised by that. And quite often, you know, when the situation arises and people say, well, I'm not paying for that, I don't have... I don't have stock in the common grazing. You, usually the grazing committee might get in touch with us and we'll write out an advisory letter uh, explaining it to them. But it would be useful if, uh, you know, as soon as people are taking on crofts, if they were fully aware of that, that's maybe something that we need to, to consider to how to best communicate that to folk who are coming into crofting for the future. Having had lots of these meetings, you must have had about... 20 so far? 30 maybe? Oh, I think we're up near probably, 40. 40. It's probably over 30 now, definitely. Yeah. 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 So having done all of these, what would be your top tips to people? Top tips? I think probably the first thing is you know getting a grazing committee into office to manage your common grazing, keep an eye on your common grazing, you know, make sure that there's nothing happening, you know, the shareholders aren't, you know, if... if if uh, suddenly a, a digger appears and you're coming grazing, digging test sites, it's maybe having a grazing committee there to kind of keep an eye on things is very useful and for managing and maintaining your common grazing on behalf of the shareholders. And that's something we will help you, you know, it's one of, one of our uh, aims is to get as many grazing committees into office as possible. Uh, probably the, the next thing is having a good up-to-date set of regulations. That's, that's probably something that's very you know, paramount. Again, it's one of our priorities to get as many regulations updated as possible. Keeping up to date records, especially of all the finances uh, that are in the, in the grazing fund uh, for shareholders, because at the end of the day, it's the shareholders' money uh, and there's nothing to stop a shareholder going to the grazing committee and saying, I'd like my share of that money paid out, I'm needing it for a new car. Uh, and really, a grazing clerk. You know, in an ideal situation, if they're doing things uh, as we suggest at the workshop, grazing clerks should be able to, to identify each individual's um, the amount that pertains to that individual shareholder. Having good communication with your shareholders, uh, that is one of the things that we really try to impress upon people. You know, if everybody knows what's going on, if the grazing committee are holding their annual general meeting and they're keeping up good communication with their shareholders, it means that they're not going to be criticised or people coming to them and saying, I didn't know that was going on or I, I didn't have a say in that. So good communication, I would say, would be one of the top tips. Probably the last thing is just remember that it's, uh, it's not the grazing committee's money, it's the shareholders' money. I think that's probably the, the top tips from myself. I agree with Billy. If you put all those together, you have hopefully created a helpfully informative committee that your shareholders will be proud of and will rely on for guidance and, and uh, management, etc. And that hopefully will avoid any any hassles that you might you might be familiar with, either in your own or neighbouring grazings at the moment. Excellent. Oh well, I would highly recommend these courses to anybody who's a clerk or committee member or indeed a shareholder. I think lots of people have enjoyed them and learned lots from them. So I would recommend going along. Yeah, we have to thank the Scottish Government through the Farm Advisory Service for <laughs> yeah. supporting these, these events. Been really useful, yeah. And hopefully we'll continue to do more.
Well, thank you very much. Right, thank you, Sean. <laughs> thank you for your help in organising the courses as well as this little chat. That evening in Dorney, we held a workshop covering the setting up of a committee, modernising regulations and dealing with money in and money out. After the workshop, we asked some of the clerks and crofters what they gained from the session. Here's what they said. Whereabouts are you from? I'm uh, village of Glenelg, Township, uh, Biology. And what did you take from this evening? Um, well, I came here to basically to see what was involved with the Clark the congregations because it's coming up for renewal in their own township. So uh, it's given me a really good insight to what's involved. No, it was good. Good. Hi there. Whereabouts are you from? Um, I'm a crofter in Plotton. Yeah. And what did you take away from this evening? Yeah, quite a lot really. I think I have a fair understanding. I read things and I take it in, but there's about five or six things that were completely new to me that uh, were really, really important to understand. So yeah, very worthwhile. Excellent. Anything in particular? Just a couple of things to do with if somebody passes away, what happens to their crofts and, and their shares, and that is a sub-tenancy in place at the point of the person passing away, that that sub-tenancy would come to an end, which I didn't appreciate. Grant, I'll see you at the next one. Definitely. <laughs> Whereabouts in the world are you from? Uh, Glenshield. Glenshield. And what did you take away from this evening? We've learned a lot about the legislation. The centres were very informative. Uh, learned a lot about how the Common Graces regulations work. That sounds really dull. No, no, it was actually, if it's something that you need to know, it was very exciting. And we do need to know it. Yeah, so it's made us a lot clearer in our minds going forward, which is always useful. Um, anything in particular then, that um, is going to be of use to you now? Uh, knowing the financial responsibilities of the shareholders. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, knowing the division of any income that comes into the, to the township. Yes. Knowing what is maintenance and what is improvement and how the two are different. How do you keep your records of finances at the moment? Do you use like total sheep equivalents uh, to work out who has to pay for maintenance? We are just learning how to do this. Before we've just paid it. Now we know how to divide it and how to have everybody contributing as they should. <laughs> well, thanks very much for coming along and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Yes, you will. Thank you. If you'd like to use the templates for grazing funds or improvement notices, you'll find a link in the show notes below. If you feel your grazings needs to refresh its regulations, then the Crofting Commission has a guidance document and the Farm Advisory Service has a workbook to keep you right. The Farm Advisory Service also has videos on the grazing funds, improvements and CACs. As always, get in touch with the Farm Advisory Service helpline if you'd like to know more, and also, the Crofting Commission's grazing team will be delighted to help. And do have a listen to our other FAS podcasts for crofting and hill farming. The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.